0: You're listening to episode 384 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: There was a point I remember while I was on the streets. I remember looking across, I was hitchhiking and I got dropped off on the interstate in the middle of Alabama. It was three o'clock in the morning. I was by myself. It was cold and I was tired and I was hungry and it started to rain. And I was just standing there on the side of the road. I remember looking across this field at this little white farmhouse way across this plowed field. And I remember thinking to myself, I just want to go over there and knock on that door and ask those people if they will love me.
2: Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world, good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I am delighted to be with my co-host and Unofficial best friend. <laughs> I got Johnny, I got I lost that. there for a minute. No, that's perfect. <laughs> my brain slipped into neutral there just for a second.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I think we well, you can only say unofficial because we were talking before about how 384, the episode we are on, 384 yes. was your uh, was your box number at the Bible college that you attended with one Robert Tarnavisky, friend of the show, but more importantly, friend of yours and friend of mine and and, yes. and the official best friend. Now, look, am I saying that I am the new and improved next generation of that friendship? I'm not saying that, but somebody could say that and it might be true. So that's, I think, all you were alluding to when you made that little mental slip so, up there.
2: So at worst, you're the unofficial best friend.
0: At unofficial worst. best friend. baby. Oh, I wasn't here for box 304, but I am here for episode 304. So what does that say? You know what I'm saying?
2: 384. I'm sorry, 384, yes. And don't rewind us that far. (laughs) Hey, today's episode, I I told TJ, I said, hey... We we don't have Johnny with us. It's going to be you and I. The old dogs have somehow got to bring some new life to this episode, <laughs> and so we did our best, Johnny. We did our best. We knew it wouldn't quite, you know, be up to snuff as it would have been if you were there with us. But but we we made out okay. We did all I,
0: right. I think I think that you have uh, you've described TJ and his uh, ministry to me, and it all sounds super interesting and and honestly super important and so I am so- sorry that I missed but I'm looking forward uh, to listening alongside with all of our you know it's ironic usually when we're doing this intro I've like already heard all the content but this time I'm listening to myself talking and then I'm going to listen to TJ talk with everybody else we're all going to be on this journey together with TJ which is really something beautiful I will say I was having a conversation with a former guest of ours that had been set up at that time frame. That's why I had to miss. And I don't want to say who it was. Some people say the name rhymes with man Dyland, but I cannot confirm or deny that I was hanging out uh, with somebody with that name. The, the
2: Enforcer.
0: But <laughs> How many nicknames does he have? The, the Animal. <laughs> yeah, Dan, the animal right. So yeah, so, so I'm sorry that I missed out with TJ, but I was soaking I was soaking in the knowledge of uh one Dan Ryland, which was great for me.
2: Well let's let's quick get this recording done so you could tell me all about it. But
0: <laughs> but anyway, it was it was in the summer of twenty
2: one that I got an email from TJ Grainy. And he said, I listen to you guys because we've got this ministry that we think is great for small churches. And I listen to you guys because I kind of want to know what's going on in small churches and have the mindset of a small church pastor. And, you know, we took eight months off last year. But I kept all those emails and I worked back through them. And so finally, and that he and I were scheduled in March to record, we both forgot.
0: We both forgot
2: the appointment. And so I made him feel bad. Like, you know, he was the only one. Yeah, you forgot, you. You know? Absolutely. Come on, so TJ. We both, <laughs> we both forgot and got, got on the phone with each other like an hour and a half later. So we finally recorded what a sleeper this guy was. This was, this is off the charts, fun, enjoyable, inspiring, tear jerking. I mean, it, it, it's a great episode.
0: It sounds it's sounds great like episode. You just described an Oscar caliber film or this podcast episode. So, let's hey, I let's stop talking, man. Let's get to this it. Is this it. is TJ talking about uh Kids Outdoor Zone, which sounds like an amazing amazing ministry. TJ, thanks for hanging out. Uh Jeff can't wait to listen.
2: TJ Grainy. you have finally joined us on the 200 Churches Podcast. You and I have been trying to put this together for months. Thank you so much for joining us. Introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Well, I am honored to be on the 200 Churches Podcast. Yes. It's TJ Grainy, TJ, Thomas Joseph Graney, like a piece of wood, and, uh, and the ministry that that I do over here, that we operate from just outside of Austin, Texas, is called Kids Outdoor Zone. Kids Outdoor Zone.
2: Wow, it sounds like a place where you gotta hit those little heads that keep popping up, and you gotta hit one after another. What what do they call that? Whack a mole.
1: Whack a mole. Well, that yeah. I I know on some Saturdays there is a little bit of whack a mole going on with the boys <laughs> that we have. There, the boys' ages are eight to eighteen, so you know the. You're right in there in the whack a mole age for uh, so
2: so kid so say it again outdoor kids zone kids k i d s kids
1: outdoor zone we call it k o z k o z for sure okay
2: okay that's cool so so by the way Johnny is has dumped on us today he is not able to join us he's an official loser for the day
0: I'm Johnny, heartbroken by the way Johnny Craig,
2: I know I am too. I am too.
0: I, I mean,
1: I stood up. I'm 63. I've been stood up since I was like 15. And, so.
2: <laughs> and it was the worst decision of her it life, is. wasn't it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> but, No, well, probably the best decision that <laughs> young lady ever made. Well, I, the only reason I keep doing the podcast, the only reason is so that I can spend time with Johnny. And so when he dumps on me now, I, now it's just me and you. Well, so we're going to have to, we're going to have to keep it afloat.
1: Well, I I think we'll be all right, but
2: Johnny, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Well, as our listeners know, I love the guy. Is he's, he's the greatest guy in the world? Love him to pieces, and uh, we'll miss him today. But TJ, it's you and me, man. We we can do this because because you you've been a listener, but but you've got a ministry out there, and you've told me uh, several times that your ministry connects really well with small churches and and how you work. And boys 8 to 18, wow, what a demographic, what a group. Just tell us what you do with boys 8 to 18 and how that impacts small churches.
1: Well, thank you very much. I found 200 Churches Podcast because I wanted wanted to continue to be uh, paying attention to what pastors need especially small church pastors. Our program works so well in a smaller church. We're, we're working with some, some ginormous churches, but the smaller church is such a, such a beautiful place when you create community there and a a church gets behind a ministry, it get it becomes so personal for that church. And, um, so what we do is our program, we started in Austin, Texas. I, uh, I started doing this in my church here and there's a, there's a good story that leads up to that whole point. But what we do is we train men in churches across the country and in Canada. Now Um, we train men across the, the country to use outdoors, the outdoors as a way to mentor boys in our, um, in our community, primarily fatherless boys, but fathers and sons as well. Um, we encourage fathers and sons to participate, but the the mission field are the fatherless boys in our community. wow Um, We have our little boys, our young men, and we're eight to 18. Our boys are getting pounded. They're getting pounded. And um, the pandemic was a a critical time. Um, They were, there were so many of them taken out the uh, emotionally, spiritually, Uh, mentally just absolutely taken out. And um, then Satan's, he's found some soft spots. And as you Mm. know, being a guy, uh, boys at that age, they don't know. I mean, they want to be Superman. They want to be a cowboy. They want to be a hunter, a fisherman. They want to live a life of adventure, something exciting. So they're, they're looking for who they are and what they are. And what does that mean? And if they don't have a healthy man in their life, explaining to them who a man is, what a man is, what a man is supposed to be, uh, then they're going to gravitate to the voices that are the loudest. And those voices today have them so confused. They don't know if they, if they should be a boy or a girl or a horse or a you know, whether drugs are yeah. cool, money yeah. is money is everything. And they just, it, you know, if they don't have a male role model in their life, they just are adrift. And uh, and so what our program does is one is it gets them away from the electronics. It gets them outside. The average kid spends 40 minutes a week outside, 70 hours a week in front of a screen.
2: Oh, that's pre
1: that's pre-COVID. It's-
2: Come on, that's not those aren't real numbers. Seriously. Oh, that's
1: that's an easy number to find. It's an easy, it's oh. statistically easy to find. Half of our boys don't have a dad in the home. In some communities, it's eighty or ninety percent. So culturally, if our church is just saying, Oh, hey, we have a, a Sunday school class uh on Sunday for boys, just why don't you just hop on over here and sit down for an hour inside the building? Uh, culturally yeah. you got to yeah. think, okay, well, our kids are watching red bull runs on bikes down craters and in, in canyons and no, no telling what else they're watching 70 hours a week and to invite them in to sit in another classroom in a seat for an hour is probably not real appealing, but if you ask them to go fishing or hiking or camping or looking for snakes or learn how to use a pocket knife you have a, you're hitting on a different, a different element. Um, that's where their hearts are. And so they're drawn into it. So that's what we do is we, we get the men in the church. Men are, men are looking for something. They're desperately looking for something that has meaning. Um, and you know, we, we know that we got to park the cars. We got to work the, we got to pass the baskets. We got to do the things in church to keep our church going. But, You know, that, that's not what, that's not where a man comes alive. That's not where a guy feels like he's, he's making a huge difference in the, in the world.
2: I have never felt more masculine than when I pass an offering plate. Come on, (laughs) (laughs) TJ.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we're told that that's, you know, and it is true. I mean, I do all that stuff at my church. I do all of it. But I I rea- rarely leave there thinking about it for the next week. Um, but when I spend time with the boys, and a little boy asks me, "Why doesn't my dad ever call me?" Oh, or you know, uh, I don't know why my grandmother is sick, or uh, you know, a thousand other things. Sure, a thousand other things that are going on in their heads. And they got nobody to talk to and no place to to filter it and to navigate it uh, except what's in the palm of their hand for 70 hours a week or what they see on TV or what their little buddies are telling them who yeah. are, you know, rudderless ships in the night as well in many yeah. cases.
2: Well, you're definitely speaking our language, TJ. I mean, when you talked about Superman I wanted to be Superman. Of course, when I was a kid, I loved yeah. Superman. I dreamed about flying across the sky with my cape yeah. and and saving everybody from the evil ones. And my pastor, I just recorded in a different podcast recently that uh, one of the things that really impacted me was when I was ten, and my pastor said to me one Sunday morning, "Hey, how about tonight after church?" we go out to maston's pond and we do some fishing come you know, cause, on cuz my dad wasn't really in uh my life at that time of my life very much we he lived you know in the same house as me but we just we weren't we weren't connected and i grew mm-hmm. up with three sisters um and that was just one time one time he took me fishing and i've never forgotten it amen now if he would have you know but 10 years later, 10 years later, I moved out of state, and I moved and I lived with him and his family for three and a half months to help him at his church, because he took me fishing that night, and we we, we made that connection. So I think, I think all of us, TJ, are thinking the story hasn't been finished, and the books haven't been written yet, about what happened to humanity when everybody got little screens in their hands you know it's I, I just i fear it's not going to be good and that the in the end game hopefully we'll figure it out and it won't like overtake us and but but we're seeing what's happening with kids so tell us about your program tell us about how it's meeting the needs of kids and and bringing men into meaningful ministry in the church
1: oh my gosh
2: um one of the
1: things that and i apologize if i Step on some toes here, but one of the things that I that we see in churches is one is I can't tell you how many times I visited a church that doesn't have a men's ministry happening in their church. They Mm -hmm. just gave up on it. Yeah, they just said, "Well, they don't want to show up once in a while. We do some bacon on a on a Saturday morning for two hours, and they'll show up for that." But pretty much, yeah, we don't do anything here.
2: They're busy. Everyone's so busy. They think they're busy. Mm.
1: They think they're busy. And so we kind of thought through this a little bit and I thought, well, I want to, let's reverse engineer this thing. So, okay. Guys are busy. They are busy. Um, so let's just make it easy. Let's do one Saturday morning a month, eight to noon, one Saturday a month. Any guy can do that. Most guys in the church know they need to be doing something. They need to be participating in something. They want to do something. So what if they could just hang out with some boys, maybe, you know, do a little fishing, maybe do some hiking, do something, go work on some cars, do something that is got manly and it's guy time and it's with some other men in the church and it's also going to make an impact on the community because they're going to get some boys that don't have dads and some fathers and sons together and, and do something. And so, so that's what we want to do is we, we, want to, uh, we want to impact the men in the church by giving them something that they can do. The reason why I was saying about stepping on toes is because I think so many churches culturally just don't look at what's going on with our kids. I mean, our kids today are caught up in the internet. They're caught up in culturally what's going on. And if we just keep offering the same thing, expecting different results and the same thing with the men, if we just keep offering them them the same thing and don't really look at, okay, what, what is going on around us and how can we participate in it? So we figured out, okay, half a Saturday a month we'll, we'll train them. We'll give them all the training. They can go online. They can watch the training together as a group. And then we'll provide them curriculum every month. One month it's fishing one month. It may be archery one month. It may be tools. We'll give them everything they need to be able to do this. And then we'll just challenge them with, Hey, you want to do something to make an impact on the kingdom or not? Here it is. If you want it, it's yours. Um, it's not, we charge 300 bucks a year. If they can afford it, if the church can't afford it, then we gift it to them. It's never been about the money. It's about engaging the men. Um, and we give them everything they need to do it. And they, it's not a job for the pastor. It's not a job for the youth, youth ministry leader. It's not a job for the men's ministry leader. It's the men of the church. They Hmm. bring it to their pastor. Um, they ask for the blessing, and they put it together and they launch it. Um, the The training looks like it's real simple. It's a Friday night with the wives. So every guy that's volunteering brings his wife to a Friday night potluck that they that they put together, or a catered in dinner that the men put together, and they v- invite their wives in, hmm. and they watch a two hour video that we put together um, with my wife and myself. And it just talks about the importance of the wife standing alongside their husband if he chooses to do this ministry and how important she is and how she's a key part of his success in ministry and how it's going to change him if he does this ministry. And then Saturday, the guys rally back together, just the men, and they go through a workbook and they watch about five hours worth of video. We worked with um, the Kendricks brothers Um, they helped us put together this training video, um, the guys that did prayer room or room and, um, courageous and, um, and, um, and so they do this five hour training and then they just pick their Saturday. Typically it's the second Saturday of the month and they start finding boys and the boys are the easy part because once, once the community finds out, once the single moms in the community, once the women in the church find out that there's some men that are mentoring boys, you know, it's game on, hmm. it's game on. And, uh, yeah. And there's, there's plenty of guys out there that love to hunt and fish guys that don't know anything about it, but want to learn. Um, it's a great way for a guy who doesn't know anything about hunting and fishing or, or any of that stuff that just wants to get, get his fingernails dirty it's a great way for him to learn alongside the boys. and um anyway, that that's it in a nutshell. Super simple, super simple. and then and then what happens is the really we call it reverse engineering because we challenge them to four hours a month, but then the guys fall in love with it, and they plan a hunting trip, or they plan a camp out, or they start planning other adventures with the boys, not because they have to because they want to and that's the heart of a mentor that's where a man is really stepping into ministry on his own that's where he's following his heart and that's when the boys know that he's committed to him which is something that so many boys out there i mean we say oh we want to we want to introduce you your heavenly father and and the word father is not a good word for them hmm because their father walked on them. Their father didn't show up for that Saturday visit when he was supposed to show up for that Saturday visit. And, you know, in the church, we're saying, we want you to learn your heavenly father. And they don't trust men, much less the word father. And so we have to spend time with them. You earn the authority to speak into their lives by spending time with them. And whether it's just four hours a month or a, a camp out every couple of months or whatever it is that you're doing with them, it'll, it'll begin to show them that men can be good. Men can be honorable. Men do show up when they're supposed to show up. Men do hard things. And anyway, it's a process and it's so desperately needed. You don't have to look very far in the headlines to find a little boy who, or a young man who spun off and didn't have a father in the picture Man, every day. I mean, I challenge you to look at, I challenge you. Yeah, look at look at any of the the young men that are spinning off, and look at their background. Living with grandma, dad's in prison. Dad's a drug addict. Dad was never around, and mom's not there either. You know, living with the grandparents, living with mom. And hey, I'm I'm a huge fan of grandparents that take on their grandkids, but they're desperately looking for somebody to help them, and single moms that are trying to find men to walk with their boys and teach them a hard job.
2: Now that we're into the middle of the episode, TJ, here's my question. Who is TJ Grainy? Where did you come <laughs> from? And wh- why did you start doing this? Tell me that story. Okay.
1: Um, so I was raised in Houston, Texas. I was the second oldest of five and uh, had a great young childhood um parents took us to the mountains did the station wagon trips around the country to the national parks you know where you sat in the back seat and looked out the (laughs) looked out the back window and uh made yeah the way way back and you know for those who it's for the young people who don't know what a station wagon was it was like a you know an suv with uh that wasn't as cool but Anyway, we, we did all the camping and we saw bears and, you know, we did, it was just a, a beautiful thing. And, uh, but, but I didn't realize that my father had a drinking problem until, until later on. Um, and then at the, uh, the summer of my 13th year, when I was supposed to be going from junior high to high school, my parents divorced, uh, my mom, uh, moved from Houston to Illinois a thousand miles away to live with their mom, took my little brothers and sisters. My older brother got out and found a job and, uh, and my dad took his bottle of rum and moved out. And I I don't know where he went, didn't know where he went. And so I had one night left in this little rental house that we were living in at the time. And um, and then I woke up the next day and just lift, moved out onto the streets. I spent the summer on the streets going from friend's house to friend's house and uh, sleeping in good at 13 13. and sleeping in goodwill boxes and just wherever I could. It wasn't, you know, at the time it was just, I mean, it was like the awesome summer of, you know, no rules and no regrets. And, um, and then the first day of high school started and everybody jumped on the bus. I jumped on the bus with them and we all rode to, to high school anticipating a great first day of high school. And, um, the bell rang and all my friends went to their lockers and went to their first class. And I was in the hall by myself, no, no paperwork, no locker and nobody I could call. And so I left there and just, that was oh. the beginning of my street life. I spent a lot of years just uh, learning how to live off the streets and, um, kicking around. I there was one point where I, uh, I tried to go visit my mom. I hitchhiked up to Illinois where she was and I was staying with her and she put me in school and I tried, I guess I tried to make it work, but I, uh, I just couldn't. And I immediately or soon thereafter found the druggies and the troublemakers and started skipping school and just got in all kinds of trouble. And, uh, and after a couple of weeks, uh, just not, not participating. And the cops were looking for me and the juvenile, they locked me in juvie and they locked me in the state. They did all this stuff to try and get me to figure it out. And I was just a rebel without a cause. And, uh, and then I ran, I went home one day in the middle of the week and I'd been skipping school and nobody'd seen me for days. And I went inside and I went down in the basement and I got my clothes and an old shotgun that I'd, my dad had given me years before and I came blowing out of the basement and out the back door. And my mom stood there and she said, all I could do from that moment on was just pray for you. Cause I knew I couldn't do anything for you that it was God, God was going to have to do it. And so I hitchhiked back to Houston and, um, got gotten a bunch more trouble. And, uh, but eventually I, I, uh, I went to a, a, a guy, a young man found out his parents found out I was living on the street and they offered me a room in their house. And I took them up on the offer because I thought that's a no brainer. Free room, you know, (laughs) washer, dryer, food. And the only caveat to the whole thing was that I had to go to church with them on Sundays. And I thought, but I thought, you know, I'd grown up with Catholic stuff. So I know you just go in there, you hang out, you kneel a little bit and then you bail off. It's an, it's an hour and, and you're done. Well, I went with them to church and it was, they went to this little Bible church in East Houston. And, and those people talked about Mm. Jesus. They had Bibles in their hands. They did fellowship together. They did meals together and it was different. So much different. And there was a young guy, his name was, he's probably in his thirties and his name was Terry Moyer. And he came alongside me and started mentoring me. And for the next few weeks, he would just talk to me. And I ended up asking for Jesus in my heart and getting baptized in that little church. And I stayed with that for a couple of weeks, but then I spun off and went back out doing what I was doing. But I can tell you that, from that moment forward, that stuff I did on the streets, those choices I was make I was making, were different. I, w- I could feel mm. something wasn't right when I would do the things that I was doing. And eventually I uh, met my wife and, uh, we got married and we wanted to raise our kids in church. And, um, so that's, that was kind of where I started my walk with Jesus. I, I, that's really where I did, you know, then I, I remembered how much I loved that little church, how much I longed for that little church and those people, the way they acted and the way they cared for me. Um, there was a point, I remember while I was on the streets, I remember looking across, I was, hitchhiking. And I got dropped off on the interstate in the middle of Alabama. And, uh, and I'm, it was three o'clock in the morning. I was by myself. It was cold and I was tired and I was hungry and it started to rain. And I was just standing there on the side of the road. And I remember looking across this field at this little white farmhouse way across this plowed field. And I remember thinking to myself, I just want to go over there and knock on that door and ask those people if they will love me. Will you please just take me in and love me? Oh man! And when I found that church, uh, I started to feel that. I started to feel like. And when I, when my wife and I started going to church, that's what I was finding was, you know, if somebody was at that farmhouse. They did open the door. They did care for me. They did love me, and they began mentoring me. And. And then the story of KOZ, I wrote a book, it's called Year 13, and you can get it on Amazon. It tells the story in more detail, just kind of how the ministry came about and all. But yeah, I just, I grew up one of those kids that desperately needed a a man in his life. And I, God just said,
2: well, now we're going to do that. What was your relationship with your father? After your,
1: it was, uh, it was okay. We, we connected off and on his drinking was pretty serious. Um, but when he got older, he sobered up, uh, he found his way to Las Vegas and began, uh, lived at a, as a, as an alcohol counselor of all things at the Salvation Army in Las Vegas. And, Mm. um, and I just, I pursued him a little bit. My bro, my older brother who was sober ahead of me and has always been a huge mentor Uh, He told me one time, he said, don't put expectations on dad. If you just accept him the way that he is, um, you'll be able to have a relationship with him. Well, I did. And my dad ended up writing me a letter and um, telling me he was sorry for not being a good dad. And of course he never met my expectations, but it was a, it was a gift to get that letter. And I just, God just released me from that. You know, just that longing in my heart for my dad. I still to this day, you know, it's like when you were saying, I think before the, before we had this call, we were talking and, and, uh, there's just times where a guy just wants his dad to just know what he's doing. He just would love his dad to say job yeah. well done, son. And I've done some things that's ministry growing mm-hmm. and the, and the things that I've done, I, I would love for my dad to, to know what I'm doing and say, man, son, I'm so proud of you. Um, and I know I get that from my heavenly father. I know I do, but it's still a longing in my heart and every boy, I don't care how bad your dad was. I don't care how mean he was. I don't care whether he was there or never there ever. Every boy longs for his father. Every boy longs for his father.
2: You're choking me up, man. I feel it. (laughs) Terrible.
1: Wow. And so that's why our men need to get off their duffs and, and commit to a couple hours a, a month to sit on a bank of a pond or to go for a hike with the kid who doesn't have a man in his life because they are desperately longing for it. And it's us, the men of the church. It's, I am, Absolutely and 100% convinced that if the men of the church don't step in and rescue this generation of boys, we will not have a voice in a lot of areas in the future. We won't be allowed to hunt and fish where we've traditionally grown up hunting and fishing. We won't be able to, you know, do the things that we do as, uh, Americans today, as men today, as, as, uh, you know, it's going to affect our churches. It's going to affect our, our daughters, our granddaughters, who they marry and who those men are. And if we don't step in as men of the church, man, we're going to miss this deal. We're going to miss it. And it's coming fast. It is coming so fast.
2: Well, this, like I said earlier, you know, the story hasn't been written yet, you know, about what, what technology has done to humanity, to the human being, and uh, to our culture. And what you're saying is, what you're saying are, are things that could be done in every generation since Jesus. You know, men coming alongside of boys and uh meeting those needs that that boys have um and and being outside i i took i was with my grandkids yesterday and w- we went outside they they will just as soon sit in the family room and look at the cartoons on the tv uh then get up and go outside but but once you turn it off and they get outside they don't want to come back in amen they don't you know you could say to them hey let's go in and watch tv well, they don't want to go and watch TV. They're having a good time outside. So um, I'm glad I asked you who TJ Graney was because I had no idea. Our listeners had no idea. And you gave me way more of an answer than I ever expected to get. And a very meaningful answer so much so that you wrote a book about it, correct? Yep.
1: Year 13. Yeah. Year 13 yeah. by TJ Graney. And um, it's amazing. I do want to say one more thing, and I and I know we're probably running short on time, but
2: oh, we're okay, we're um, okay.
1: So let's just let's just take. Let me take this to the pastor out there, and let's put this in a context that a pastor uh, is going to under uh, is going to approve of um, biblically. So in John chapter twenty one, um, Jesus is gone. He's been crucified. He's come back twice to the apostles who are in the upper room. Uh, And then he's gone again. And the guys are up there in this room. They're poking on each other. They're probably hot, sweaty, stinky. I don't know what's going on, but they've been cooped up in this upper room. And finally, Peter just breaks and says, "Ah, that's it. I'm going fishing. And so him and a handful of the guys go down. They they go to. Peter's family's fishing gear and he knows where everything is and they jump in a boat and they go fish all night long and they don't catch anything. And so the whole time, you know, Peter's trying to clear his head. Those guys are trying to clear their head, doing what they've done for years where they where they've cleared their heads in the fishing boat on the water, but they don't catch anything. And they're rowing back in, probably feeling dejected, feeling horrible. Like, what is it? Jesus, where are you? What are we supposed to do? They're rowing in. And some guy on shore says the one thing to them that, that no fisherman who fished all night and didn't catch anything wants to hear is, did you catch anything? Now, think about <laughs> it. Jesus is poking at his best friends. And he says, drop your nets right there. And Peter knows who it is. Then he jumps in the water, starts swimming in. Those guys drop the nets. They ca- they ro- row in with the biggest catch they ever had. And Jesus is there, and he says, "Bring some of that fresh fish over here." And he's got a campfire going on, on the side of the lake, and uh, he says, "Put some of that fresh fish on there. He's already cooking some fish. He's probably got some bread, maybe some wine, some water, and uh, and he does that beautiful thing with Peter where he you know, forgives him three times. And, and, uh, that's a, that's a beautiful story in itself. But I was thinking, why did he pick there? Why did he pick that to be the last place he was with his closest friends? Hmm. And what I realized was that he just spent three and a half years with these guys and every night, they just about every night, they would pull over to the side of the road and they'd camp out. They'd sit around a campfire with the guy who created the stars above their head. And they'd wake up in the morning with the guy who controlled the sunrise. And that's where he trained them. That's where he spent time with them, joking, uh, listening to them, teaching them. And my thought was, why don't we pay attention to that? Why don't we use Jesus model for training men and take them outside and do something outside with them? And why don't we do that with the boys? And it's exactly what you said. You get them outside and that kicks in, that part kicks in. And everybody knows what happens when you sit around a campfire. You sit around a campfire and the conversation is different. The, yeah. the, yeah. the tone, the, the vibe, if you want to use that term, is different. It's just different. And that's, that's God. It's just completely him. You're in his place. And um, so anyway, I just, you know, biblically, it's easy to understand why we're challenging these guys, why we're teaching them to go outside. And if you really give yourself, it's just like that one time fishing you went on with your pastor and the the camping trips that I did. I long for the mountains. Deep inside my heart somewhere and not because I'm like this, you know, Everest climber or anything, but I long for the mountains. You know why? Because there was a point in my life where where I felt love by my family, love by my dad. And it was in the mountains when I was a kid, hmm. those few years. Yeah. And that guy, Terry Moyer, who cared for me and loved on me just a few weeks in that church. It changed the trajectory of my life. Even though I've never been able to track him down on social media or anything, all these years later, I would love to tell him that you changed my life, and because of what you did for me that day and introducing me to the to Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming about me, now I'm doing this. So I, I don't know. I can go on and on and on, but I just I'm I'm so. Uh, I just so want guys to to understand how important they can be, how important they are, but how important they can be in the lives of a young man. And And I'm telling you, it will absolutely, a church will come to life when the men come to life. I just got back from Georgia, had two churches there, spoke at a wild game dinner and church on Sunday. And man, those churches are embraced the program and their men are fired up and they're excited because they have something. They have something that's theirs. It's not an assignment. It's a desire. And they are fired up and this is so beautiful. So beautiful.
2: That is neat. And so if a, if a pastor is listening and would like to introduce this because you said this isn't for the pastor to do or the men's ministry person to do or the youth pastor to do, and he wants to pass this along. How would he go about doing that, or how would she go about doing that?
1: I would say all you need to do is go to kidsoutdoorzone.com, kidsoutdoorzone.com, and go click on Start a Group. There's a little button on there that says Start a Group, and it'll walk you through. There is We have some wonderful videos They can watch some videos and, um, and they made the pastor may just think about, pray about who a man or who some men might be, get them together, send an email to them, say, Hey, I want you guys to check this out and then let's do coffee and just ask his guys if they're moved by it and, and then let God do what he does. Super simple.
2: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. You know, as you were talking, you, my mind is going back to, uh, 25 years ago, when for 10 years, I would take a youth group from New York State, and we would fly out to SeaTac C- Airport in Seattle. And then we would rent some vans, and we would drive north up into British Columbia, and up north through the Fraser River Valley. And we would get uh, about 110 to 120 kids ages uh, 8 to 13. Uh, maybe, maybe it was seven to 13 and we would take them up into the mountains and we'd go up into the mountains, up to Beaver Dam Creek, which was t- no, nothing is developed up there. You're, you're driving on gravel roads along the side of these cliffs and you know, it's crazy when you're not used to it, you're scared half out of your mind. Uh-huh. But after about the second trip up or down the mountain, you're ready. And you're like, you're just flying and loving it. But we'd go up there and we'd set up mash tents and we'd set up a cook area. And I mean, it, it was out of nothing we would create this campground and we would engage those kids for the next uh i guess 6 days and 5 nights and we would take you know students up there they would be the counselors and those kids man like you're you're outdoors the whole time and whatever uh, the weather does it does yeah and you just deal with it i remember one morning we woke up there was frost on the grass when <laughs> we woke up it was that cold that morning. We were up at about 6,500 feet and there was a stream that ran through the middle of the camp and there were two tree trunks across that stream that the kids would travel on to go to the other side where there was the cow paddy field. We called it the cow paddy field because it was filled with cow patties. And in the morning you'd go over there and there were some of them that were still steaming from the cows that would just come <laughs> uh, travel through the area and kids would be we. That was a game field too. Every once in a while, a kid would slip on one of those things and land right in it. I mean, it was this. I'm from Western New York, Rochester, New York, and this was totally different. This was way outside of my element with all these little native kids running around. You know, teaching me how how eastern and how white I was. Um, but we would sit around the fir- one of the first things we would do when we pull into camp. you you get that fire going, you get those rocks, you put them around, you create the fire, the campfire area. And you had to make sure it was plenty big enough because those 120 kids are going to all be around that thing every, every day and every night. And we would sing and tell stories and it was, it was transformational. Listen,
1: listen to the detail that you remember from that.
2: Oh, I remember a lot. I mean, you, you
1: you don't say that about a Sunday school class. I don't care how good that Sunday (laughs) school class was. You don't, you're not moved that way. You're right. Oh my gosh. That's just, it makes me want to go there right now.
2: Well, let me tell you one time these native guys, they were, they were by the Fraser river. They plucked out salmon like this fat spring salmon. Like you couldn't believe and they, they brought it back. And they, they had the fire, and they built the racks. And they, that salmon was just sizzling and bubbling, and the fat was dripping into the fire. And they had the stainless steel you know, serving pan, one of the commercial ones. They filled two of those with fresh salmon that was all filleted and cut. I mean, they did it all. They caught it in the morning, and it was in our stomachs that night it you can't imagine how good that was but then just the connection you had with the guys as you know you were with them and you sat around the fire you all watched that salmon cook then you enjoyed it together and then they felt the affirmation and approval from these east coast people that never had a fresh piece of salmon in their life uh, yeah it was uh it was awesome and in that same church it was the first year i was there i went as youth pastor i had a girl and and uh we had a girl and a boy when we got there i would then have two more boys cuz i've got a daughter and three sons and the one of the pastors said hey we do a father son uh canoe trip every summer your son's got to be 4 years old so next year your son's going to be 4 you're going to do the canoe trip with us and i'm like well you know i don't really swim i don't really fish i'm not really into canoes But I had to do it, right? He just told me, this is what you're going to do. I've got the picture of me standing by my wood panel, (laughs) 1989 uh, Grand Marquis Colony Park station wagon with the green canoe strapped on the top rack and me holding my son, (laughs) Joel, in my arms. And Joel had just turned four in March, and it was like July. And my wife was not happy that I was taking him on the river. <laughs> oh. and, and to a lake. I mean, she was just like, oh, you know, he's gonna drown, you're all gonna die. And and for ten years we created the most fantastic memories. Us guys, we would take our our, our boys, and there was always, there were always boys that were there whose fathers weren't with them. And those, I mean, we me and my two boys, we talk about that. We have stories waking up in the tent. And where's Joel? He's not in the tent. I look out, I peek out and there he is standing on the shore with his fishing pole, just standing there, just patiently waiting for that fish to bite. And just stuff like that. I'm telling you, and,
1: and I, and (laughs) I have a, I have a real burr in my saddle, under my saddle. When, uh, when churches get up and they announce the father son campout's coming up. Hey, dads, get your boys ready. Father son campout coming up. You dads, get it get it together. And I'm thinking half the little boys in that church are feeling like they just got kicked again uh, right in the side. Yeah. And we have got to understand that culturally as church, how do we approach that? How do we include every boy in the church into that camp out not that fathers and sons aren't critical because obviously sure, sure. they are but it is so so critical for uh for us to make sure that we do not miss that in our churches today
2: i think today. i think an easy fix is you don't call it the father-son canoe trip you call it the men and boys canoe trip amen right that's amen. Just, that's an that's easy it. fix but as i recall i mean this is going back this is going back twenty five plus years. Um, as I recall, everybody knew that if you were a boy now, everybody knew, right? Maybe everybody didn't know, but we all knew that if you were a boy and your dad wasn't in the picture, Oh, you're, you're absolutely invited. And one of the dads is going to kind of adopt you into the, into the family, uh, for that, for that overnight. And it was just an overnight trip. Sure. We'd leave one day we canoe into a lake, good luck lake up at the Adirondacks (laughs) and that was the name of the lake. And it was totally pristine. Nothing was developed. It's part of Adirondack park in New York state. And yeah, we just, just overnight yet. It made that big of a difference, even though we were back to our houses by Saturday night. And, uh,
1: And, and our guys do those so well, so, so well. and, and I know there's, there's men listening to this podcast and they're kind of kicked back maybe with a cup of coffee and, and these pastors are just thinking about these experiences they had and maybe they forgot, maybe we're reminding yeah. them of these experiences they had and just how critical, how important those things are and how important they were to who we are. And, you know, I just encourage them, just sit in it for a little bit, sit in it for a few minutes, and. And see if that doesn't bring something back for you.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. TJ, tell me again what your website is. So it's
1: kidsoutdoorzone.com, kids, K I D S, outdoorzone, Z O N E.com, kidsoutdoorzone.com. And they can email me, they can do info at, they can get, you know, go to the starter group, all kinds of stuff. We have a YouTube channel with tons and tons of really great videos on them and all kinds of great stuff. And we're we're ready. We're we're ready for any pastor in any church. And if they need help, or if they just want to talk about it, they can just call me.
2: Man, I I just want to. I think about fifty, no more than fifty. Maybe let's make it twenty five. <laughs> twenty five of us, two hundred churches, pastors should get together with you, with you as the sto- the lead storyteller, and the main uh, uh, fire uh, fire pit guy. And find a find a great mountain somewhere and do some camping and hiking and and relationship building, man. That that would be You're
1: a, speaking my language right there. You just let me know. I'll bring the coffee and the coffee pot and uh and a sleeping bag. I'm all
2: in on that. Yeah, I but love that, that. yeah, but that that coffee you're talking about, I already know it's got at least a quarter inch of sludge at the bottom. Oh, the that. that's the good stuff. <laughs> all right. That's the good stuff. <laughs> Oh gosh. Oh, uh, you, you are a friendly guy, TJ. I don't find too many guys as open and as authentic and free as you are. I i really appreciate your coming on the podcast and encouraging pastors today. Well, thank you.
1: I thank you. I, I can't believe I got on my favorite podcast. I got to be a guest on my favorite podcast. Uh, I thought for sure, if you figured out who I was, you'd delete my number from your system so (laughs) i'm blessed thank you very much thank you for what you do and and uh i sure miss johnny i wish he had been here because oh my gosh you know he's one of my heroes and him not being here just it's it's hard
2: but um well we'll we'll work something out we're gonna work something out tj (laughs) he he has no idea what he's missing he has no idea so We'll we'll make it right. All right. Well, God
1: bless kidsoutdoorzone.com
2: if somebody needs me. Well, Johnny, that's the end of the episode. But unfortunately, as we record, you still haven't listened to it. But what what got me is what I told you about earlier, that, that he somehow he gets out of that vehicle. He's standing on the side of the road. It's starting to rain. He doesn't have a mom or dad in his life. He looks across the field. He sees a white farmhouse. And he says, is there anybody in there who will love me? And then he ends up at this small church where they love him even even for it was weeks maybe a month or two even if it was only that long he he found and experienced the love of Jesus in that church and that caused him to eventually begin his relationship with God
0: you know i'm i'm a i'm a pessimist i'm a cynical guy I, I, I didn't start out this way. Once upon a time, people told me I was optimistic. But I am a pessimist. I'm a cynical guy. And sometimes when it comes to the American church, man, I've been that way on this podcast. People are not going to be surprised to find out. I love the church. Here I am on this podcast trying to encourage pastors and encourage the church. But I will be the first critic. I will be the first critic of the church, Jeff. You know that about me. Um, a story like this is the reason that I don't give up on the church. Because th- those kinds of places exist. You know what I'm saying? Like those kinds of stories exist. And so you listening right now in your small church, is there a TJ coming, walking through the door? Don't miss the TJs. You know what I'm saying? Like don't miss that person. Don't either get so stuck on the way you've always done things and the people that you've always had that you miss the new and don't get so stuck on wanting to be bigger, faster, grow, blah, 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 that you miss somebody quiet walking through the door in that kind of a situation. Uh, you never know what kind of impact, kingdom impact, forever impact, your church can have just through one single person. And so, uh, the, the I still have hope in the church, even if I am a critic, even if I am a cynical guy, um, because small churches have the capacity and the opportunity to really make a difference in the lives of people like TJ. And now he's working with small churches to make a difference in the life of so many. Other kids, which I just think is such a beautiful, beautiful story. Well,
2: we got to the end of this, and I said to him after we shut off the recording, I said, "Man, I I feel like I feel like I want our church to get involved in this because there's a lot of single parent homes in Newton, Iowa. There's a lot of them, and you know, I could have been one of those homes. My mom was the fourth kid. The first three got divorced. She wasn't going to get a divorce for any reason. My dad gave her." 50 reasons to get a divorce, <laughs> right. but she, she didn't, she stuck with him and they, they, they made out okay. But I could have been one of those kids and there's oh. so many of them. And as he says, if the church doesn't step up, if church men, if guys in the church don't step up to rescue a drowning generation, who's going to do it? Mm. Who Who is going to do it? So this is the time in our church when we bring on new board members. And I tell every board member, I don't want you to become an elder unless you feel with certainty that God is leading you to do this, that God is calling you into this role in the church. And I would say that to churches, you know, don't hear TJ's story and this uh, th- this inspirational talk, and then just think, you know, guilt yourself into saying, oh, you know, well, we, we should do this. But if you sense God is leading you to do it, he said... The pastor shouldn't be doing this. The youth pastor shouldn't be doing it. The men's ministry director should. It should be the men in the church who get the training, who step up, and who make it happen. And the the paid staff they continue to do what they do, equipping the saints to do work of ministry. But it's he kept talking about the men of the church, the men of the church, the men of the church. Yeah. So maybe you're a man of the church. Maybe you're not a pastor, but you're a, but you're a spiritual leader in your church. Uh, kidsoutdoorzone.org dot org. Check yep. it out. I, I'm Fair I'm enough. definitely going to check it out, and I would love to get TJ. And I told him, let's meet in the Cascades or the Rockies or the Adirondacks or somewhere, and we'll bring 20 guys and we'll just spend two overnights together and just have the time of our lives, building relationships and and uh, just having a spiritual fellowship retreat of some sort. That would be awesome. And I'm you know me, Johnny. I'm like, you know, I, I like the uh, the Red Roof Inn or or the, uh, what's, what's the one I always like? I, I can't even think of the name of it now.
0: Uh, but it's the
2: one with the big white fluffy pillows and the big white fluffy comforter and, and all that stuff. But he persuades me to go out and to do some camping and some fishing and some tenting and all that
0: stuff. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much to uh, TJ. I'm sorry that I missed uh, the conversation. It sounds like he'd be a good guest to have back sometime. So maybe we can chat again, TJ. Um, Jeff tells me, that you have you had a hot i don't know if i made the recording so i don't want to put words in the man's mouth but he, that don't you don't think
2: so i think i might have edited it i said
0: that you tj said nice things about me i'll just say it that way <laughs> and, and i said to jeff you know never meet somebody that you idolize you know what i said never meet somebody in person that you think might be a good guy because then you find out oh no that's a trash <laughs> person so yeah uh so maybe it's for the best that our paths not cross i'll try to clean myself up and then next time I'll be a better,
2: a better person to what, talk What did you to. call yourself at one time? The hot trash hot, can hot, garb- hot garbage person, probably. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you to TJ. It, it, was, it was heartwarming. It was inspiring. And if you were inspired by listening to this episode, just know that sitting here talking with him live was, uh, I was inspired. I, I At one point... I don't know if I'm going to leave it in there or not. I I got choked up. I I couldn't even talk there for a minute with him. Um, But, uh, yeah, thanks, TJ, so much. KidsOutdoorZone.org. And we will see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast.